Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. Amen. Amen. High five the person next to you and say, I'm so glad you're here. All right, all right, this ain't a family reunion. Seriously, let's get started here. Hey, I know that today is going to be a special day. The Lord woke me up this morning, and I knew it was going to be a great day because I didn't even spill my coffee once, so that was awesome. Yeah. If you listened to last week's message, you know that I spilled my coffee two different times, actually, while I was preparing, and, uh, and I think the message reflected that. I'm not really sure, though, but uh, this is going to be a great day. I know that... that God has a word for all of us today as we're still in our series called Habits. And what we're going to talk about today is is not as much what maybe you would expect, but we're going to talk about today is our thought life. We're going to talk about the habits that we have and how the habits that we have actually impact the actions that we take. And the actions that we take are fed by the habits that we have, and our habits ultimately determine the outcomes of our life. So our thoughts matter because our thoughts impact our actions, our actions impact our habits, our habits impact our, and was anyone paying attention, our future? (laughs) You weren't. All right, you'll get there. But this is just the way that it works. So we're going to talk about our thought life today. What I found is there's four different types of, of thoughts that we have on a regular basis. And, and it really could go from, we could go from like one to four very quickly, depending upon the situation. And here they are. We can either have good thoughts. We can have bad thoughts. We can have thoughts that stink. Or we can have thoughts that stank. That's what I found. It's like, and we can go one to four just like that, depending upon the situation we're in or the people are in front of us or whatever the condition of our heart is ultimately. So what I want to do today is I want to show you from the word of God a way for all of us to, to maybe to be able to better frame up our thought life because I know that our thoughts actually impact our actions in such a deep and profound way. If you have your Bible, please open it up to Romans 12. We're going to look at two verses and we have some other verses that are going to support this, but I really want to just really dig into one verse, but we're going to look at verse 2, but we have to start in verse 1. One commentary that I looked into, John Stott, uh, it was the, the, the gentleman who wrote the commentary, he said, if you were to summarize Romans, from Romans 9 to, to Romans 11, you could summarize it with one word, mercy. I'm just talking about the mercy of God and how those of us who are in Christ because of the mercy of God have a place in Christ. And also we can just add into this, those who are outside of the fold of Christianity are now inside of the fold of Christianity, not because of anything that we've done. Amen? But because of the mercy of God, because God was merciful. It was just as what we sang during uh, the Revelation song that, God, that Jesus sits in the mercy seat. I'm like, and he's extending mercy to us when we get saved and to everyone else as they get saved. And not only that, merciful because I don't get what I deserve because of my sin. Jesus took that, he took my punishment, he took your punishment, he took that wrath, and he bore it upon the cross, and it was all about his mercy. And 
Paul says to the church in Rome, starting in verse 1, chapter 12, he talks about this, this mercy aspect of life and this place being within the kingdom of God and the family of God. And he says it in this way. He says, therefore, because of our placement and because of the mercy, he says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, there it is, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. He says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Not just he says that, God says that. That's in his word. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We'll start in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. To offer our bodies. We don't really think about a lot of that a lot of times if, if we're in church. We think about the spiritual aspect of life, but we don't think about our thought life and our mind. We don't think about our body. We've talked about our body. We talk about choices that we made to help equip our bodies so that we can actually live the abundant life that Jesus talks about, which is not just in the spiritual realm, but it's also in the physical realm and the relational realm and the financial realm and the relational realm of life. So we should be pursuing good and healthy habits in all these areas. But he says here in verse 1, he, he makes this mention of our bodies. He says to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, to offer your bodies. You see, uh, when we think about our thought life, I think we have to kind of go back to, to this very basic analogy. Who in here loves computers? Anyone love computers? There we go. We've got a few. Who have computers because we tolerate computers because I need a computer, right? All right. Who wasn't listening for the first two questions? Never mind. There we go. Okay, good. We're all here. We all have a relationship with, with computers. We either like them or we don't. We either think that the computers and technology and AI is going to be the, the wave of the future, or we think, man, I, I just take me back to a checkbook when I didn't have to go and look on my phone or look on the computer to see what my balance of my, my check account was. Like we, we all have these, a perspective when it, comes to, when it comes to this. And you see, with computers, if you were to go at the most basic level, if the thing that you see within a computer is the hardware associated with the computer. I'm not getting too deep into computers, all right? You guys with me so far? Like your home, when you look at the thing, you type, you Facebook, and you're doing whatever you do on your computer, the, most of the things that you see, the processor, all of that stuff is the, is the hardware within the computer. That hardware would not be able to do anything if there wasn't also software driving the hardware. Still basic. You guys with me so far? The thing you can see is known as the hardware. You guys are smart, is the hardware. The thing you can't see that's inside of it, the program that runs it, is the software. Similar to our brain and our, our mind, actually. Our brain is like the hardware. Our brain is the hardware, and yet our mind is the software of our lives. We have a brain that has a bunch of different lobes that, that helps us to be able to, to feel things and know things and do things. It just does. That's the most simpli simplistic way of understanding it. But the, the beautiful thing with the human brain is this. Not only do we have the mind, and we as Christians are supposed to be putting on the mind of Christ with a renewed mind. We see this in Romans 12 too. But here's the really cool thing. Those who are in, in the sciences have actually found out that we can actually change our mind. We can actually change our mind. 
They're just catching up to what we've known for thousands of years, that our minds can be changed, our minds can be renewed. There are these things called neural pathways, neuroplasticity is the terminology, that literally your brain can be rewired when you have habits that are different and when you add things into your life and you do that over time, your brain can physiologically be affected by taking and making different changes in your life. You can change. And not only that, it not only changed the mind, the software, but also because of the grace of God and the mercy God of God, the hardware of your brain can be changed too. Look at your neighbor and say, you can change. Look at your other neighbor and say, you can change. Look behind you and say, even you can change. There you go. A little too excited on that one, I know. Yeah, there we go. Are we talking computers, mind, brain? I don't know. We'll talk about it later. I'm going to keep going. You see, here's the the thing. The Bible does not condone minus emotionalism, but a deep, mindful approach to life as the Christian is renewed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible does not condone mindless emotionalism. Just go by emotions, go by what I feel. The Bible doesn't condone that because that's not the pathway to abundant life. That's not the way of the kingdom of God. That's not the way that Jesus lives, so that's not the way that he wants us to live. If our lives are supposed to be mimicking his life, it's not mindless emotionalism where we go from one peak to one valley to one peak to one valley. Instead, it's to have an emotional fulfillment rooted in Jesus so our highs don't get too high and our lows don't get too low and we don't need a substance to keep us between. It's like the Bible doesn't condone that. Instead, the Bible, it it teaches us, and we see this in verse 2 and other passages too, The Bible teaches us a deeply mindful approach to life as a Christian is renewed by the Holy Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit do the Holy Spirit's work in us, and that with the Word of God is what renews our mind and allows us to truly change. Because if we change our thought life, we'll also be able to change our actions. And if we change our actions, we can build habits that are life-giving that will actually change our future. And it's the same thing I've said several times throughout this series. It's the small things that no one sees the results in the big things that everybody wants. It's the small things that no one sees. When you make it a decision to incorporate what we're going to talk about today, nobody's going to see it. They'll experience it outside of you, but they're not going to know exactly what you're doing. They're not, but they will start to recognize a change that happens within you because it won't be explainable by you alone. And they'll start to see God do a work in you to literally renew your mind. And in a renewed mind, then you can have renewed actions and people are going to start to notice. There's a passage of scripture that also talks about this in Proverbs. The New King James Version says this so well. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words... What it is that we dwell upon, what it is that encompasses our mind, also impacts our heart, and it directs the course of our lives. That our thought life impacts the way that we live and how we love, not only God, but also other people. Some of you are going to get this analogy, some of you won't, so I'm just going to kind of uh, just go out there. Who wants to play a game? Anyone want to play a game real quick? Play a game? Raise your hand if you want to play a game. Play a game. Apparently, no one cares. We're playing a game, and I don't care. I got about four people ready to play a game. I'm playing with them. You guys just have to sit back and do whatever you do. I don't know. I, I call this game the, the mind games of superheroes and people. 
The mind games of superheroes and people. Now some of you are interested. So here we go. So there's four different, four different things we're going to look at. Three of them are bad. One of them is good. You're going to see what it is. The mind games of superheroes and people. Some of you indeed will get this. Here's an Iron Man reference. Tony Stark is the character within Iron Man. This, is, this would be his mindset. If you've seen the movies, you would see his mindset as this. I know that I have potential to change, but I just don't know that I want to. That's Tony Stark. Track with me so far, not too deep. All right, good. It doesn't matter. You don't want to play anyway. I'm keeping going. Here's another one. Bruce Wayne and Batman. Dark Knight Rises specifically. I try to pretend that I'm not powerful so I can avoid my responsibility. Batman, Dark Knight Rises, Bruce Wayne. The next one is the Hulk. Bruce Banner is his character. This would be the mind games that he plays, and also some people have these same thought processes. I'm mad that I'm changing because people look at me differently. I'm mad because I'm changing and people will look at me differently. So some of us, like the Hulk, are in that way. Those three are bad. The next one's good. Captain America, my favorite, actually. This would be what he would say. And, and those of us who are pursuing a renewed mind, we would have more of a mindset and a heart set in this way. I am who I am, and I like the changes that are happening to me. Glory to God. That would be the Captain America approach. That would be the approach that we're, that we're after. I'll make it as simple as I can. If you're filling in the blanks, the first fill in the blank for you today is this. You will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You will always move in the direction of your strongest, of your strongest thoughts. You, you just will. You will intuitively do this. You don't even have to think about it. You will just, you don't have to even know that you're doing it because if that is in your mind, we can mull things over without even really even knowing what it is unless we're intentional and we stop and we invite the Spirit of God in to help us. But you will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So if you think you can't, you probably won't. But if you think you can, you probably will. If you dwell on problems, they will probably overwhelm you. But if you look for solutions, you will find some. If you feel like a victim, you will live a defeated life. If you believe that you can overcome, you'll be an overcomer. We know this of our own lives. We know this of observing lives of other people. So much about how we act is because of what we think. And ultimately, many things that we think are actually what we think about ourselves and what we think about God. And these become two incredibly limiting factors. And, they, and when we see those things in that perspective, what we can often do is we can shut God out and we can stay stuck right where we are. And we can have those thoughts that are not honoring to God nor to ourselves. So, the psalmist in Psalm 104, 34, he said this, and if there was a, a verse maybe to, to memorize, to, to really make this message bedrock in your life, of just some a way to just stop, I'm going to add some more to this, but a way to just kind of stop your life so you just don't live on autopilot, it would be this. If you were to pray this prayer with consistency, may all my thoughts be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. If you were to put this in the form of a prayer, may all my thoughts be pleasing to you, God, for I desire to rejoice in you. And to personalize that, you could pray this prayer over and over and over again. The tension is this. Our thoughts are not always pleasing to God or good for us. So what habits can we create to replace those bad thoughts with good or better thoughts? 
Back to our original passage, Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So in particular, he's, he's mapping out for us, there's two different ways to live our lives and two different ways to think and to, to respond and to, to have our minds occupied. Did you see it? In verse 2, right at the beginning, he says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. So, so what he's mapping out for us is there's indeed a pattern of the world. There's a pattern of the world that we all just fall into, and without the regeneration that comes by the Spirit of God, we will live in that story without God. There's another passage of Scripture that speaks into this. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So why is it that people in the world, they don't think like us, that they don't have the habits of a kingdom-minded person? Why is it they don't believe like us? It's because they've been blinded. Because they've been blinded by Satan. So if you know that there's somebody, let me encourage you with this. If you know there's somebody in the world and you've been trying to evangelize them, you've been trying to invite them to church, you've been trying to help them, and they don't seem responsive to it, or it seems like you're speaking and they just, like your words are just, they're going everywhere except landing on the target where you want them to. I just want you to know it's not that they're mad at you, it's that they've been blinded by Satan. Don't stop doing what you're doing. Because you don't know what the Spirit of God is doing and you can't see it at the time. But it may may take the fourth time or the 14th time, but the Spirit of God can unlock that and actually cause them to see and to believe. And all of that, that whole process was because you poured into that individual because you didn't give up on that person. Because though they believe differently and they live differently, they had different habits in you. And yet there were so many things maybe you were disappointed in, but because you didn't give up in them. God clearly didn't give up with them. And then over time, maybe God saves them. And it's because of your faithful influence all those times back. So don't give up on people. There's so much more going on. It isn't that they're mad at you. There's so much more that that's going on. Don't stop. Don't stop. You see, negative thoughts never lead to a positive life. N- negative thoughts never lead to a positive life. Those who have conformed to the pattern of, this, of the world, they love the, what the world brings. They're enemies of God. So therefore, they don't love God. They have apathy towards spiritual things. They're critical of true Christians. They're very materialistic. They, they're not spirit-filled. They live for the present moment. There's no, no hope for the future. They compromise with the world because that's all they know how to do. And all they, they try to please themselves over and over and over with things of the world, they will never be satisfied. These, these negative thoughts and desires never lead to a positive life. They never do. So what, what is it that we have to do as Christians? Christians must tear down our wrong ways of thinking and build back new correct ways of thinking. 
So we need to tear down our wrong ways of thinking. Maybe the way that we've thought about a person or a situation or politics or, or church or, or God or whatever it is, or maybe even ourselves, we just need to tear down some wrong ways of thinking and build back correct ways of thinking. I'm going to put this, this could be a year-long, a year-long series. It really could. And I'm going to try and put this as simply as I can and just trust the Spirit of God is going to continue to work in you well beyond my words or through with this message. I know that these messages, uh, when I bring them to you, it's just sometimes it's introducing something, trusting that God's going to continue the work. Because I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm simply not. Second Corinthians, if you go to the right in your Bible, we might go back to Romans 12 to keep your hand there. I'm not really sure. We'll see where the Spirit leads with that. But right now, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10, look at verses 3 and 5. And we're going to see how we can have some victory in this, in this way. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. He says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He says, so there is, there is a victory to be had in the war of your mind. And the battlefield is indeed within you. It's within your mind. Because what you think about, it becomes what you are about. And what you are about, you will form habits around those things. And after you form the habits around those things, that will direct the rest of your life. So the Apostle Paul, he puts this in. Did you notice the, how tense this is as it even begins in verse 3? Just feel it. Let's read it again. Feel it. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. He uses war-type language so that we can buckle in and realize, wow, this is important. We can't just go through life and think that this is just going to happen. Like everything's just going to be awesome. That our minds are going to be renewed all by ourselves. Like, and just without God's help. He says, no, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary. We have divine power. We have Holy Spirit power to demolish strongholds, is what he says. So... We're going to talk about strongholds in just a minute. But within this, in this verse, there's two main takeaways that I'm going to draw from it. And again, and I, could say so much, I could say so much more. The first thing that I think if we're going to, to take away negative thoughts and build back with better thoughts, the first thing we need to do is we need to capture those destructive thoughts. We need to capture those destructive thoughts. There has to be momentary pause in our lives or where we stop. Instead of just thinking and feeling and doing and just living life on autopilot, instead, by living as people of the kingdom of God, by the Spirit of God, is for us to, to be able to capture these destructive thoughts. These destructive thoughts are the strongholds. Strongholds are an interesting thing. I'll give you this illustration. This picture that you're going to see, I, I saw, I've seen this two different times. It's a pretty cool thing. This is a castle slash fortress in Rhodes, Greece. Rhodes, Greece is basically a paradise island off, off the coast of Greece. 
It's paradise. This is the front of it. I never got to go inside of it, but because uh, I think they were closed both the times they were there. Either that or they were scared that the Navy was in town, and they closed it up. It could be the case. That happened a lot. Uh, men, women, and children, except store owners, they would often hide when the service members came to town. True story. Um, and probably because, you know, probably for good reason. But this is the front of this, this fortress. Now, you look at that, super high walls on this side, right? I mean, you can see that. Everybody has eyes, you can see that. Super high walls. Why do you have high walls? Keep people out. Exactly. Why do you have a narrow entryway to get in? So you can only let in who you want to let in. Let me show you the back of it. I spent a considerable amount of time back here. It looked a lot like this, actually. So from the left to right, we actually entered from the the left of the picture to the right. And then it's off the screen, but there's a neat neat thing off the back of this that I probably could have gotten arrested for, but I didn't. Praise God. Uh, we, there was a few of us. We snuck around the back of this fortress, and as we're sneaking around the back of it, just to the right of what's on the screen there, some friends of mine had this great idea. Like, it would be great to take a picture of, like, with us on top of of the fortress, and then somebody from the bottom of the fortress. Now, this is back in the days, no digital cameras. They were all disposable cameras, so you click, take a picture, and then wind it, fink, 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 and then click, and you have no idea how the pictures are going to turn out. Remember those, those cameras? And you're like, $15, I hope it works, I don't know. And, uh, and I, I still haven't found these pictures. Maybe they didn't, didn't even develop. But So we spent a good part of the afternoon scaling up the backside of this fortress one by one so we all could have a picture with our friends up up standing where, like I said, this is from a distance, up at the top of the thing just to get these great pictures. You see, of course, it's a fortress and the main to keep people out, and they should have probably thought about that a little bit more because gay who's like me could, like, go in. But anyway, it was a great photo opportunity. And again, I didn't get arrested, so, so I survived. Go back one picture. You see, a stronghold is like that. A stronghold is like that. You see, we have a false sense of security when it comes to the stronghold because we think if we're inside the castle, then we can basically control who comes in and everything's great because that's a stronghold and it's a false sense of security. Because of this, the worldly mind build strongholds around itself to self-protect, promote self, and provoke others. So while we think we're doing the right thing by walling ourselves off from other people, what we're actually doing is we're not keeping them away from us, we're keeping ourselves away from a better life. We're keeping ourselves away from a better future. We're keeping ourselves away from what God wants for us. That's what a stronghold does. I have several different examples of strongholds. I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time on these. I will make sure that Nate puts these online this week on Facebook. You'll be able to see them. You, if you want to take pictures, you can. If you don't, you're not going to hurt my feelings. But here they are. So I'm just going to give you, I believe it's nine different things about strongholds. Again, and I'm, it's going to be kind of fast and furious. A stronghold is a defensive position. One of promoting self or propping oneself up pridefully. It's protecting yourself. 
Not being vulnerable around other people. Not being vulnerable to God. You're actually, a stronghold is actually keeping you from the knowledge of God. And the love of God and love of others. Strongholds bring unhealthy emotion. This could explain your eating disorder. This could also explain why you haven't been able to kick that habit. This could also explain why you got into that addiction in the first place. Strongholds stem from trauma. They often do. This could be the reason why you've struggled for so many years, and it's because something that happened to you way back in the annals of your life, way back then, and yet with your own power, you may never be able to pinpoint what happened and when it happened and, and who it happened with and, and any, anything around it. But God wants to take you back because he wants to give you the power to demolish that stronghold. He wants to take you back there. Strongholds often stem from trauma. Strongholds also do this. They bring discouragement and defeat. It makes us think, say things like, I'll never get over this. I'll struggle with this forever. Why would anyone love me? I hate the way that I look. My life is a disaster. It's all my fault and there's no way out. Strongholds, again, they often sense a false sense of control. It's a false sense of control. Because the stronghold, the demonic stronghold is such that, that this happens. The more I can wall myself, the better I can create my own life within that fortress. But we're supposed to live outside of the fortress. God wants us to demolish that fortress to let the knowledge of God in, to let the love of God in, to let the love of other people in. Strongholds give a false sense of control. Thinking, well, I can just, I can just handle it myself. I'll forgive when I'm good and ready. Oh, I forgive them, but I will never forget. Those are strongholds. Those are strongholds of, of a false sense of control. Strongholds do this as well. Strongholds fool people into never getting close to anyone. We're on to something right now. I tell you this because I love you, but some of you have never been close to another human being because you have a demonic stronghold around your life. And you may think you're smarter, you may think that you know better, you may think that everybody else is dumb, but that is only Satan's whisper to you to keep you in that stronghold that God wants to demolish. But strongholds like this, it's because, maybe it's because someone caused pain to you and it was a loved one. Maybe it was a betrayal of a friend, a wound you suffered at church or, or from a family member. And through that, maybe you've made vows to yourself, I will never get close to another person because if I do, they're just going to crush me again. That's a demonic stronghold. That's not God. God wants to demolish that stronghold. He wants you to be free to receive his love so you can love him and you can be loved by others and you can love others. Strongholds also do this. They bring shame from a, a poor self-image. Saying things to ourselves, well, I'm a failure. 
Not just that I failed, but I'm a failure. I'm a person who always fails. I never come through. That's a stronghold. That's demonic. Strongholds wrongly direct us to self-reliance. You see, the weapons that a Christian fights with are faith, hope, and love, and a new heart, and a spirit-filled nature, and a renewed mind. We see this in Romans 12 too. And we fight back with the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit that demolishes the strongholds that keep us captive. We have to let go of these strongholds. We have to confess that we've allowed them and we've propped them up. We have to repent of those things and say, God, Holy Spirit of God, please demolish these strongholds. I want to be free. The other side of the equation is this. Not only do we need to capture destructive thoughts, but we need to fill our thoughts with spiritual things. We need to fill our thoughts with spiritual things. The passage we started with, verse 2, says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Unless we live and have a renewed mind, we will always be stuck with the wrong way of thinking that it is, is destructive to ourselves, to our souls, to our relationships, and to our future. And we will never be able to be victorious and have habits that add life. So we don't need to conform any longer like we used to do to the pattern of this world, but instead we need to be transformed by the renewing. The metamorphosis, the transforming, it's the, it's the turning. It's the change, it's the unfolding. It's the ugliness giving way to beauty. It's the, it's the being dead in sin and being now alive in Christ. The Greek word for the renewing of your mind, it doesn't just mean what we may think of when it comes to our mind. It can also mean our heart, one's inner self, our inclinations, our disposition, our determination, our courage, our will, our intention, our consideration in the way that we reason through life. And I love the fact that that, that, that Greek word is so broad because that means it affects everything. That when we have this renewed mind, it, there's hope that we can be changed from the inside to the outside. Renewing your mind is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with what the Bible says is true about you. That's the most simple way that I can explain it to you. Renewing your mind is one of those replacing destructive images and ideas with what the Bible says is true about you. About you. I'm going to finish with these four ideas in a, in a passage of Scripture to support them. They're not going to be on the, the verses aren't going to be on the screen, but the ideas will. If you're filling in the blanks, we're going to finish with this. You may be thinking, well, okay, what, practically, what, how, how can I do this? What does this look like? I need to fill my mind with spiritual things. Okay, let me give you some spiritual things right now. First thing, if a thought comes to mind, capture it. If a thought comes to mind, capture it. 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone's in, new, in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Which means you're not living in, in the way of the world. Now you can have the renewed mind. You can be changed from the inside out. Your heart can be changed. Your will can be changed. Your determination can be changed. You can have courage that you've never had. You can have the intentionality of your will that you've never had. You can have the determination to continue on the path of godliness So if a thought comes to mind, capture it. You have the power to do it. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Second, if that thought is not in alignment with God's truth, dismiss it. If that thought is not in alignment with God's truth, just dismiss it. Don't camp around it. Just dismiss it. Passage to maybe add into your Spiritual repertoire comes from Philippians 4.8. It's lengthy, but it's noteworthy. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence or if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Again, we're trying to renew our mind with the Word of God. Spirit of God helping us, working in the inside out. So whatever is true, whatever is noble, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if it has to do with moral excellence or if it's praiseworthy to God, dwell on those things. All other things, dismiss. Third, if any thought comes up that will drive you to do or say something that is not true, avoid it. Avoid it. If any thought comes up and it just like invades your life, and if you're like me, you've had, I have these thoughts where they just like fly in. I'm like, where did that even come from? And usually when those thoughts come in, they're not good thoughts. And I'm like, I wasn't even thinking about that person. I wasn't even thinking about that thing. I wasn't even thinking about that past event. Like, where did that even come from? When those things come up and they drive us to do or say something that is simply not true, Meaning true, not just of how you feel, but what the Word of God says is true. Avoid it. A passage to incorporate in this regard is from Ephesians 4, through 24. This is what it says. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you were taught with your, in regard to your former way of life. When you were blinded to the truth of God. You remember how that used to be, how hopeless that was, how you lacked peace and contentment. You remember that. He says, so now, remember Today, Christian, you are still being made new in the attitude of your minds. And he adds to it, he says, and put on the new self. So there's things that we do to incorporate the Christian life. There are habits that we have to incorporate the, the Christian life. And he says that of, of Christians, that they're to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And the last thing is this. 
if any situation, any situation at all, pushes you to compromise truth, escape from it. And when you escape from it, don't delay. Don't pass go. You're not collecting $200. Escape from it. Get as far away from that destructive idea or thought that you possibly can. And don't rest until that thing is so far in your rearview mirror that you don't think about it anymore. There's a passage in Hebrews that talks about how Jesus was tempted in every way that we are. You see, Satan, oftentimes the way Satan victimizes me, and he probably does the same for you, is gets me to think certain things, and then at the same time, he gets me to try and think that I'm the only one struggling with what I'm struggling with. And the the errant thought there is, well, if I'm the only one struggling with this, I can't tell anyone because they would never understand. Well, if I'm the only one who, who, who has this thought or this, this idea that comes into their head that's not right, and, like, and, and sometimes it's really bad because nobody else will understand, I can't say that to God because God is holy and I'm not being holy in this moment. And it's so liberating to know that not only did Jesus, not only was he tempted in every way that we are, but it's also amazing to know that he never sinned. And the same power that he has available to him, he did and does, is the same power that we have available to us today. The power to see strongholds destroyed. It's the power to redeem a marriage. The power to recover financially. The power to incorporate good habits that bring for a better future. It's the, it's the same power that gives us the ability to forgive and forget. It's that power that we need this morning. It's that power that we're going to need at lunch today when we're being tempted and tested. It's that power that we're going to need tomorrow in every day, in every moment of every day until we see Jesus. Would you stand? God, I pray that you would just give some friends and some brothers and sisters, God, victory today. God, I know that there's some strongholds that exist in people's lives. And God, I pray that you would give them the courage to come forward and confess and repent. God, maybe they have happily been building these strongholds over time and today they finally found out that that is actually not of you, that that's actually something that they have been operating under the the governing of the enemy. God, I pray that you would free my friend today, my brother and sister who has these strongholds. Maybe it's the stronghold of unforgiveness. Maybe it's a stronghold of fear. Maybe it's a stronghold of greed. Maybe it's a stronghold of apathy. 
And maybe it's a stronghold of just simply choosing to be ignorant. Spirit of God, fall today. Revive us today, just like you're bringing revival in many areas of Kentucky right now. The same spirit that's bringing that revival. God, I pray that you would just bring that spirit to revive us today. Revive some things that are dead in us. Remind some things that are broken in us. And God, if there's somebody in here who's not a Christian, and we've sung about the gospel, we've talked about the gospel, but if there's somebody in the room today and they need to know you, God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to walk forward so that we can share them scripturally the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ so they can be saved. So that they no longer have to be dead in their sins, but they can be alive in you. That they don't have to feel the weight of the world and the consequences of their actions. But that weight can be lifted by the Holy Spirit's presence. We say yes and amen to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Mend hearts today. Free the prisoners today. Bring a wrecking ball to our strongholds today.